0: Since 2016, there has been a ban on outstaffing in Russia, so now only special temporary work agencies can provide employees to other companies.
1: Under Russian IP law, assignment of the IP rights is valid only if each IP object is specified and the remuneration for IP rights transfer is
2: paid to the contractor. Good morning. Welcome to Alrud Podcast Be Aware and Share. I'm Irina Nuhina, partner of Alrud Law Firm. I'm here today jointly with my colleagues. Elena Chershintseva, expert in labor and employment, and Anastasia Petrova. Anastasia practices on the intersection, on the interface of labor and employment, data protection, and cyber security. Today we are going to talk about the practicalities of engaging, hiring independent contractors in Russia, hiring individuals. It is rather widespread practice that international companies, foreign companies, which do not have formal presence in Russia, and instead of establishing a company or setting up a rep office, such companies are interested in hiring individuals nonetheless. The most frequently asked questions by such companies are, does it trigger permanent establishment risk? Any taxation considerations? Is it possible to requalify independent contractorship relations into actual employment? These questions are important since they could cause labor law risks as well as taxation risks for the companies. These issues are important to consider since the companies may be exposed to resulting risks. Now, let's start and uh, I would like to ask my first question to you, Elena. What options do you see are available in Russia with respect to hiring individuals by non-Russian companies located outside? What are those options?
0: Hello, everyone, and thank you, Irina, for your question. In practice, contractual relations with an individual may be structured under one of three options – direct employment by the foreign company, direct engagement of an individual under civil law agreement, and finally, agency model when the company uses the service of a special third-party company. All of these options are workable, they have their own pros and cons, and there is no universal solution for all companies. So, the crucial point here is to understand the business needs of the specific company, assess possible risks, and choose one option which works best. So, the first option is direct employment. Direct employment of individuals under Russian law is impossible by the foreign company without a legal presence in Russia. At the same time, the foreign company may conclude an employment contract with a Russian national based on a foreign law. It is important that these relations will not be considered as employment from the Russian law perspective, which may entail certain risks. The main issue here is that Russian employment law is quite employee-friendly and provides for social protection and guarantees to Russian employees. Therefore, the employee may claim to be given the same amount of rights, benefits and compensations as the Russian employment law guarantees. The second and, in our practice, the most popular option is direct employment of an individual under civil law agreement, such as, for example, services agreement or a consultancy agreement. This option is quite straightforward. The individual acts as a contractor to the foreign company. Finally, the third option is an agency model, when the company structure the relations with a third party rather than with an individual, and a third party provider, in its turn, structure direct relations with an individual. This option is the most complicated and tricky one, because according to the current Russian legislation, the use of agency labor is generally prohibited, unless the personnel are provided by the private employment agency, which has a special license and only in a limited number of situations. Thank you, Elena. Indeed,
2: these three options are available. Anastasia, what do you think are the prawns and cons? in each option, since the company should make somehow decision based on the evaluation and assessment of those options. Thank you, Irina.
1: Hello, everyone. I think I will elaborate on the options that imply direct relationships with an individual. So, the first one is employment. The advantages of this option are total supervision of the employer and ability to ask the employee to comply with all policies and procedures which are mandatory for all employees. But the main disadvantage, as Elena said, is that this option is not possible under Russian law unless the company has a subsidiary or branch or representative office in Russia. However, potentially the company can assess the possibility of making employment relationships with the employee under maybe applicable foreign law, if this is allowed under these laws. And in such case, the employee will likely be responsible for payment of his or her taxes in Russia, but still will be employed by the foreign organization under applicable foreign legislation. Another option is having a civil contract with an independent contractor. And such contractor will provide certain services to the company. This will not be considered as performance of job duties. This model will require that the results of these services or maybe provision of some products, accepted by the company on certain periodic basis, for example, each month or each quarter, and the contractor is paid a remuneration for this service of the products on the same periodic basis. As relations between the contractor and the company are regulated by civil contracts, the parties are quite flexible to choose the applicable law and majority of contractual conditions, and it is possible to regulate such contractual arrangements by foreign legislation. However, still certain aspects such as tax, IP, data privacy and confidentiality will be regulated by mandatory Russian laws. And although this option is convenient and flexible, it still may create certain risks. For example, requalification of the relations into employment relations is potentially possible in case individual submits such claim to the court and provides the evidences of de facto employment relations. If these relations are recognized as employment, by the court. Then the company may be obliged to conclude the employment contract with the individual and uh, to provide him or her with all employment-related payments and benefits which are normally provided to all employees of the company. We, however, currently assess this risk as a remote as uh, there are no relevant cases in uh, Russian court practice where relations between foreign entity having no presence in Russia and the Russian individual were recognized as employment relations. Also, there is a risk of permanent establishment creation. This risk can arise in case the individual performs the functions of an agent of the company. For example, if the individual signs the contracts on behalf of the company. And permanent establishment creation implies the company's obligation to register with the Russian tax authorities and pay taxes to Russian budget. To mitigate this risk, the individual's functions shall be formalized in the contract as consultancy service and not as functions of an agent or the company's representative. And another risk is risk of potential claiming of Russian social contributions. Such claims can be done by individuals, as individuals cannot pay the social contributions themselves. And under Russian law, such contributions must be paid by employers on top of employees' remuneration. To mitigate this risk, we recommend that individual obtains status of individual entrepreneur. Such status can be obtained quite straightforward. Individual needs to submit certain documents and applications to Russian tax authority and then to obtain the certificate confirming his status of individual entrepreneur. This status is quite beneficial for individuals as it allows them to pay social contributions and to report to tax authorities and pay taxes at a special lower rate. So to sum up, I think that employers having no presence in Russia should think First of all, about concluding civil contracts with individuals and formalize relations with them as consultancy services. They should avoid description of obligations of such individuals as obligations of an agent, like obligation to sign documents on behalf of the company. And uh, such companies should ask these individuals to obtain status of individual entrepreneurs.
2: Thank you, Anastasia. Elena, we have just discussed with Anastasia hiring individuals directly, either through via employment relationship or civil law relationship. Do you think it is possible to
0: avoid direct relationship with individual? Yes, it is possible to engage another company which will engage an individual directly as a possible alternative to direct contract with an individual. This option is called an agency model in Russia. The most important thing here is to distinguish an outstaffing option, which is generally prohibited under Russian law, as I have said before, and outsourcing option, which is the most used option for indirect engagement of individuals and the less risky one. The point is that in case of an outstaffing, a current employee of one entity is assigned to perform work to the benefit of and under the supervision of another entity. Since 2016, there has been a ban on outstaffing in Russia. So now only special temporary work agencies can provide employees to other company. And in Russia, temporary work agencies are legal entities registered in Russia and having passed special accreditation to carry out this specific type of activity. The company can use employees from temporary work agencies only when the work of the involved employees is temporary, namely not more than for nine months. And apart from that, the company cannot hire employees for replacing employees on strike or, for example, replacing employees who stopped working due to the non-payment of the salary by their employer. Legal alternative to outstaffing is outsourcing. The most common structure used for outsourcing in Russia is concluding service contracts between a company customer ordering works or services and a company supplier performing the required functions with the use of its own personnel. From the perspective of Russian law, outsourcing contracts do not affect the terms of employment of personnel of each party to the agreement. In other words, no transfer of employees as well as any other employment-related changes takes place. Each party, customer, Customer and supplier maintains employment relationships with their own employees.
2: Anastasia, you mentioned that contractual arrangement uh, with an individual could be governed by foreign law. My question is about IP generated by the individual, data privacy, data protection issues, which is totally local here in Russia, some other aspects. Could you somehow resume on to what extent it is ever possible that these issues are governed by foreign laws?
1: exactly such issues as personal data processing and IP rights transfer shall be regulated by Russian legislation to certain extent. So when it comes to personal data processing, we should take into account at least three main points. The first is insurance of legitimate basis for data processing under Russian legislation. And in Russian data protection law we have a number of potential grounds for data processing and at first sight they are very similar to those that you can read in GDPR, but unfortunately, in practice, most of them are interpreted very narrow, and therefore, normally, data controllers have to apply to just a few legal grounds, and these legal grounds are normally consent for processing of personal data and contractual necessity, where processing is required in order to conclude or perform the contract with an individual. The second point to consider with respect to personal data is Russian data localization rule. We have so-called data localization requirement that requires that upon collection of personal data from Russian national, this data must be initially processed in Russia. This pertains to particular operations on the data which are prescribed by the law and these operations include storage of the data, recording of the data, modification and some other operations. But these three are the most frequent for the practice. So data localization requires that the original data is primarily processed in local databases and in case of the need of data processing in foreign databases such processing is allowed only after proper cross-border transfer of this data. And here we come to the third point, which relates to cross-border data transfer rules. In order to comply with cross-border data transfer rules under Russian law, we need to understand that there are two types of countries. The first type is providing for adequate protection of personal data, and the second type of the countries which do not provide for adequate protection of personal data, for example, like the US. In case of adequate protection, data controller can rely upon general grounds of data processing, which includes consent, which include contractual necessity, legal obligation, and in some case even legitimate business interest, although its concept is quite weak in Russia. But when it comes to cross-border transfer to the countries which do not provide for adequate protection of personal data, then data controller has very limited scope of grounds to rely upon and normally these grounds are written consent which is subject to certain mandatory requirements to its content and which must be formalized in paper format with leave signature of a data subject, or in electronic format with specific digital signature of data subject. And the second ground to rely upon is the contractual necessity. So if, in order to perform the contract with an individual, his or her personal data is required to be transferred to the U.S., then the contractual necessity can be used as a legitimate basis for such cross-border data transfer. So, also, as you mentioned, Irina, there are some crucial considerations under Russian national legislation for IP rights transfer. Under Russian IP law, assignment of the IP rights is valid only if each IP object is specified, and the remuneration for IP rights transfer is paid to the contractor. To prove ownership of IP rights in Russian courts, compliance with mandatory requirements of Russian IP law shall be ensured, and uh, in particular, to prove transfer of IP rights, the company shall formalize such transfer in some documents, like in the acts of transfer acceptance, which are signed between the company and individuals. So, such general clauses in the contracts with individuals, like that all IP belongs to the client of the contractor worldwide, they do not suffice in Russia in order to transfer IP rights. And these additional measures, which I mentioned before, are required.
2: Dear colleagues, thank you for our conversation today. Very interesting discussion. Thank you, Elena. Thank you, Anastasia. To sum up, direct employment of individuals is impossible in Russia without a legal presence of the employer. However, in exceptional cases, the companies can consider employment under foreign laws. Further, direct civil contracts with individuals are quite common and rather convenient instrument for the business. We recommend that individuals obtain status of individual entrepreneurs here in Russia. And we also recommend considering strong differentiation of civil law arrangements from employment arrangements. As Elena mentioned, agency work is restricted in Russia and can be formalized in the form of outsourcing solutions. That's quite important point to keep in mind. And also confidentiality, IP, data protection, and surely taxes are subject to mandatory Russian law regulations, even if the contract is governed by foreign law. Thank you for joining us today. You are welcome to listen to our episodes on the Alrud website. Our podcasts are also available on iTunes, Google, Yandex Music. In case of any questions, feel free to reach us via podcasts at com. And uh, have a very nice day ahead.